Hello, and welcome to the podcast. So today, I'm going to be talking about some of the reasons that survivors, so people who are actively navigating toxic people, they are actually dealing with extraordinary circumstances. Now, usually when we use the word extraordinary, we're saying something positive, right? Like, that was an extraordinary performance. That word often kind of brings like positive connotations. But in this case, I mean extraordinary, just like extraordinary, right? It's it's not the typical thing. It's not the ordinary thing. It's a whole bunch extra from that. It's got a whole bunch more going on. And you know, I think a lot of times when we're trying to navigate toxic people, we kind of lose sight of just how atypical the situation that we're dealing with actually is. And, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Like we probably, you know, when we're dealing with toxic people, we we lose sight of, you know, what's different about our relationship. We might have some, some thoughts and some complaints about what's not going so well, But, you know, we might listen to our friends talk about their relationships and, you know, it might almost seem like, look, everyone has these problems. So, you know, like I'm just, I'm no different than those other people. And I'm here to tell you that's a big old trap. (laughs) If you're dealing with a toxic person, you are dealing with a situation that is very, very, very different than typical relationships. Now, there there are some similarities between the issues that you're having. For example, in a typical relationship, the two people might be yelling at each other sometimes, right? That can happen in a in a typical relationship. But, you know, when you hear that your friends are saying that their, you know, their relationship with their mom sometimes involves yelling or their relationship with their partner sometimes involves yelling. You might take that as evidence like, okay, well, then my relationship's, you know, normal. Like, that's just the way it goes. I actually had this experience with my partner uh, when I first met him, and I did not understand what his mother was about. Uh, you know, he would say that sometimes, you know, he his mom would scream and yell at him. And, you know, I was, I was naive, and I was like, yeah, you know, sometimes we don't get along with our parents. And, you know, I didn't take it very seriously when he was saying that, like, this woman would scream and yell. And over time, I I came to realize, like, that was the vocabulary he had at the time to describe verbal abuse. And it wasn't just, like, a small altercation where, like, somebody got kind of mad and they yelled an obscenity and then it was over. It wasn't, it wasn't like that and it never has been like that. It's just at the time, that's the kind of vocabulary my partner had in order to capture what was going on. And so I think that this happens a lot to us. Like the words we use to think about and describe our situations are really important. And sometimes I think survivors, you know, pick words that are the kinds of words that are used to describe much smaller problems than the ones we face dealing with toxic people. 
So, you know, that's why I really emphasize, like, let's call this behavior abuse, right? That's different than a typical relationship. That's a way you can signal that like, okay, we're in a different realm where we're not dealing with just a typical disagreement in a, in a relationship. So, you know, that language stuff is important. But there are some specific ways in which the, the things that survivors of toxic people are dealing with really are very atypical, very unusual circumstances. And I want to go through a couple of those today. And I just, the reason I want to do this is to really help it, help you get clearer in your mind that you are either actively surviving a very difficult, unusual situation, or that you are actively working on healing from a very unusual and difficult situation. You want to try to make those things concrete because it's going to be easier for you on your journey to be kind to yourself, to be gentle and to be patient when you can really recognize that you are dealing with something that was way bigger than what most people are dealing with. So here's the first way that we really are dealing with extraordinary situations. And it's a pretty basic one. It's just that toxic people are really, really, really not like typical folks. Okay, when you're at the level of having a very serious personality disorder, you are not acting like the typical way that human beings act. Now, of course, the toxic person is going to like use all of these words and like find all of these ways to try to make you think that what they're doing is normal or, you know, typical behavior and that you're the weird one. But we know that's a bunch of crap, right? We know that's gaslighting. We know that that's just something we should throw away in the trash <laughs> where it belongs, right? You are a very smart person. You are likely, I know that because you're listening to this, to this thing. And it turns out the kind of people who like to hang out with me are smart people. So I know that you're a smart person. I know that you have experiences in your life with at least some relationships that are with typical people, right? That's, that's very likely that there are at least some examples in your life. And you've certainly watched TV and you've watched movies and you've seen examples of what relationships can look like. If you are dealing with a toxic person and all of these other things are true, you're going to have moments where you're going to really notice that the, the toxic person is acting really freaking weird. They're doing something basically wild. And you might, depending on where you are on your journey, say, well, it's my fault that they're acting this way. Spoiler alert, it is not your fault. <laughs> it is absolutely not your fault, no matter what they're telling you. The truth is that toxic people have a really different way of approaching the world. And, you know, people, survivors have different ways to describe it. Some people say it's kind of a cruel and unusual way of treating other people. You know, like that some people say that toxic people are soulless or they're evil. There's a lot of different language to kind of capture that toxic people are doing something really different than the ordinary thing. So what does this mean for us as survivors? Well, it's really important to recognize that you cannot measure 
your relationship journey with this toxic person by the standards of typical relationships. You are not operating in a typical relationship. You are operating in a space where psychological manipulation is common, where you have a hard time thinking through uh, simple things because of the level of abuse, right? You might be walking around on eggshells. These things are not normal. So when you look around you and you see society saying like, well, this kind of relationship should be like that. And you look at your own life and you're like, well, crap, I'm not doing that. You don't have to do that. <laughs> That's the wrong scale. Society is speaking to the average, right? It's speaking to the typical thing. You have stepped out of that the moment that you engaged in this relationship with a toxic person. So you should release yourself from any guilt that's caused by measuring where you are in your relationship to the typical relationship standards in society. Okay, if, you, if, you, if you're going to measure yourself at all, I would strongly recommend that you measure your past self compared to your present self, right? Are you making progress compared to who you were three weeks ago, six months ago, a year ago? Those kind of comparisons can be helpful, but and that way of measuring can be helpful. You might also look at how other people, other survivors are navigating toxic people. That was actually very insightful for me when I started to look around and see like, okay, you know, cause I really struggled in isolation with my, with my mother when I was young, it was before the internet was as developed a thing as it is today. And I was really, I was really on my own trying to figure it out. And, you know, I went no contact almost as soon as I turned 18 and when I discovered the survivor community online and I started to see like how much people struggle with that decision. And I started to see like, you know, I thought it took me a long time. Like I felt bad after I got away from my mother that I had waited that long to pull that kind of trigger, which I know is complicated because I was a kid, but you know, like I, I felt kind of, I felt bad for my past self for, for sticking around in, in so far as, you know, I did. And when I started to, to look around and see what people navigating toxic mothers really go through, that really helped me realize like, okay, you know, I, I should, I should let go of some of this comparison, some of this, some of this grief, because, you know, like I, I did all right. <laughs> I did all right compared to my actual peers. Those are not the normal mother daughter relationships we see in society but my peers are people who have toxic mothers, right? And it's, I have some other things going on. Like my father was also toxic. So my situation's a little bit complicated to even run those sorts of comparisons. But in general, if you're gonna look to try to figure out where you are compared to where you should be, the only people you should be looking at are people who are also trying to navigate toxic relationships. And I would still discourage leaning too hard on that because your situation is, is unique to you. So if you need to bring out a measuring stick, measure your past self to your present self and let go of some of those concerns that your relationship isn't following the normal pattern. 
it basically cannot follow that pattern because toxic people just are not like typical folks. So I've got a couple other points I want to bring up, but first we're going to have a little moment from our sponsor. So the next reason that survivors really are dealing with extraordinary circumstances is that we are often mentally, physically, and existentially tired. Okay, this is not the common experience of fatigue. This is not the kind of tired that's going to be fixed by having a, you know, a long nap in the middle of the day, right? This is not the kind of tired that even a week-long beach vacation could bring about. This is the kind of tired that comes from trying super hard to make a relationship work only to be continually abused in response to our efforts, right? This is the kind of tired you get when gaslighting is a regular part of your conversations uh, with this person in your life. The kind of tired you get when you have to spend hours a day walking on eggshells, right? It's a special kind of tired. And I really think this idea of existentially tired, that's a, that's a big philosophy word, existential. What it means is it's like it's talking about existing, right? It's like it's exhausting just to exist when you are actively in relationship with a toxic person. It can be exhausting just to exist when you are trying to heal from navigating a toxic person. There is a lot of drama going on, a lot of drama you have to process. And, you know, at least in my experience, and I've heard from some of my clients as well, you know, we get this, it feels like every ounce of our being is longing for authentic rest. We're just so hungry to feel replenished, to feel restored. We really, really are tired, right? Like it's, it seems so simple to say like, we're just really tired, but like, it's, it's not the kind of tired most people mean when they say that they're tired. You know, I think it's, it's more in the neighborhood of when people talk about being burned out, right? When you have burnout, you can't fix it by, you know, taking a nap. That's a kind of tired where like everything you're doing aches, right? It's hard to focus. It's hard. It's hard to, to remember to eat. It's hard to do simple things when you're feeling really burned out. It's kind of like that, but I think it's worse. It's like all of the angst of being burned out plus all of the angst of being abused regularly. This is a really intense kind of tired. So what does that mean for us as survivors? Well, you know, I think in general, we need to be careful to get too, we don't want to get too worked up about not achieving all of our goals on a really clear schedule. You know, that's, that's something that's hard for me. I'm a planner. I, I'm a big paper planner woman. I've got, I've got paper planners coming out of my ears. I use them regularly. I put stickers on it. I have a lot of fun with them. 
you know, I want to plan. I want to schedule. <laughs> I want, I'm type A in this way. I want to, I want to lay it all out. I want to know what to expect. I want to be like, okay, here's my goal. All right. I'm going to try to get here by this date. And I know at this date, if I'm going to make it or not, I'm that kind of person, but the truth is it's very difficult to bring those kind of expectations when you're navigating the level of tired you're going to experience while navigating toxic people. And, you know, this, this really screwed me up uh, for a while in grad school. You know, there's a, I'm a philosopher, right? So one of the things you have to do as a philosopher is you have to um, take a advanced class. If you're going to, I was in a graduate program and I'm trying to get my PhD and you have to take an advanced class in logic. And that might sound cool. <laughs> like I thought it sounded cool, but it turns out what philosophers mean when they say logic is actually this really mathy kind of thing. It's very math heavy. It looks kind of like calculus at times. It's really mathy. It's not the kind of logic where you can sit down and there's like a cute little puzzle to figure out. It's not like that. And, you know, this was a really difficult course, a, di a difficult requirement for me. And when I was taking this class, I had my um, toxic ex-husband, now ex-husband, living with me. I had my toxic father living with me. And I did not yet realize he was toxic. I kind of had figured out that my... My husband at the time was toxic. So I was a giant freaking mess. <laughs> That's what I was. I had both of these people in the same house. Their needs were like extreme opposite ends, right? So like my, my husband at the time wanted to be quiet. My father at the time wanted to be loud. Like you name it. They were like just totally opposite people. And I was re responsible for making everyone happy all of the time. So I was, I was more exhausted in this kind of existential way at that period in my life than any other period. <laughs> like that was, that was one of the worst periods of my life. And during that time, I was trying to take this logic class and it was, it was so freaking hard guys. Like I hope it's okay here that I can be a little bit vulnerable with you. This isn't something I talk about a lot. It's kind of sensitive, but I was, I was such a mess then. And I am not very good at formal logic, the mathy kind of logic. I'm very good at logic when we're using words and ideas. I'm bad when we're using variables and systems. It's not my thing. So I was taking this class. I was in my professor's office hours every single week. You know, I would sit there with her and have her like re-explain to me what the thing was. And I just didn't get it. My brain wasn't able to show up in the way that it needed to. I just couldn't do it. I was so fundamentally exhausted from navigating these two abusive men in my life. And I just, I couldn't do it. So, you know, I failed the course. I didn't pass logic. This is a required class for my degree. Like you cannot get a PhD in philosophy without taking this course, without passing this course. And although my professor had a lot of sympathy for me, um, I just couldn't freaking figure it out. <laughs> I couldn't do it. So I failed that class. And that was a, that was a huge freaking deal for my plan 
for my goals when it came to grad school. And I was a wreck because, I mean, I was a wreck because these people were destroying me. I was a wreck because I felt like a failure in my, my education. You know, my, my ability to continue in my program was on the line. This was, it was a big freaking mess. I was very fortunate that my, my professor saw how hard I was trying and she advocated so that I could get another chance. And by the time I was able to take the course again, I was taking it with a different professor and I had managed to get my, um, my husband was out of the picture by that time. So I just was dealing with a toxic father. I had a new partner who was much more supportive, actually healthy relationship. And I got an A in the course, right? So it turns out that my brain is actually capable of this super hard thing. I'm actually the kind of person that can figure out um, formal logic when I need to. But because of the toxic people in my life, because of the extreme fatigue I was feeling from, from being abused by two different people at the same time, I could not do logic to save my life. And it almost screwed up my whole ability to get my degree. It, it didn't get there, but it was real freaking close. So you know, it was okay. I, I didn't allow myself to freak out too bad. I managed to pull it together. I was like, no, I know you can still be a good philosopher. I can still be good at these things. Even if I can't do like this one weird skill that for historical reasons is important in what philosophy looks like today. And it was okay. But I, I want to really encourage you to, to give yourself space when you need it, right? You are tired if you're dealing with a toxic person. If you are healing from a toxic person, you are tired in a big capital T kind of way. And it's gonna slow us down for some of our goals and it's gonna be okay. You can still achieve whatever you want to, but it's not gonna help you on the journey if you're getting really freaked out every time you don't achieve you know, the place that you want to land on the schedule that you want to land. Okay. So another reason that survivors are dealing with extraordinary situations is that we are often very isolated, right? That can be because toxic people themselves make it hard to make and keep friends, right? It, like they, toxic people will actively get in the way very often, it might be because you have family around who are well-meaning, but they're also overwhelmed by the situation, right? These family members, you know, they, they could be flying monkeys. That's, that's definitely a problem. But if, even if they're not that bad, they, they might just like have no idea how to help or how to handle the situation. Or they might say stupid stuff that they don't realize is stupid because they've never experienced abuse, right? And, you know, it can, you can feel a lot of shame, when you, when you have toxic people in your life, right? If you're, if you're not super clear that the, the reason all this stuff goes to shit is because of the toxic person and you're, you're still thinking, well, maybe it's because of me. Well, you might not be very open to talking with people about what's going on in your life. And that can contribute to the isolation. Now, isolation for, for human beings is always really hard, even when you aren't dealing with toxic people. Even in just ordinary circumstances, 
it's hard to be isolated. We, we all know that we, we all lived through the pandemic. Um, if you're, you know, depending on which part of the world you're in, you might be in lockdown right now because of the pandemic. That was a real exercise in how all of us get pretty screwed up when we're going through um, extreme periods of isolation. So when you are isolated like that and you're dealing with the abuse of toxic people, like that's not, that's not normal. That's not a typical situation. That's an extreme thing that we're having to navigate as survivors. So, you know, the, the point of today's episode is just to remind you that you are authentically navigating a lot of stuff. A lot. I've like barely scratched the surface here. So as you move through your journey, I really want to encourage you to be kind to yourself. Be cautious of making comparisons. Think about who you're comparing yourself to. Ask yourself, is it really necessary to do any of those comparisons? And really try to be patient as you make your way through. It's going to be a long road. And, you know, I'm so proud of you for showing up and doing your best at it. There's really no right way to get through this kind of thing. The only thing that can go wrong is that you give up. We don't want you to give up. We want you to keep going. I know it's hard. I, I've, I've been there with you when it's really hard and it feels like everything's just going to hell and you can't do anything about it. But I really want to encourage you to be patient, be kind. And, you know, if no one else ever says it to you, I want you to hear me right here, right now. I am proud of you for trying and for pushing forward. So that's all I have for you today. Thanks so much for spending some time with me. And I will catch you guys in next week's episode. Bye-bye.